Hi, it's Martin Wardle here from Robson Laidler. Um, one of our most popular videos to date was on the, the topic of property. So I thought I'd ask um, another local property expert to, to come and give us their views. Um, I have Michael Mortimer with me on the line. Michael, um, give us a brief intro to yourself and your business, please. Hi, Martin. So um, we set up Hive Estates four years ago. We do sales and lettings. We do both professional and student lettings. We're in Sandyford, so that gives us a good, a good location to target the students. But we also get a lot of professionals, young professionals and families. And we also do sales. I think it's important as an estate agent to do sales and do it well. So we focus a lot of our time and energy on that. Um, so, yeah, we, we manage a lot of properties. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's good. It's been challenging, though, recently. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it has. Michael, um, I, I know you, you were primarily lettings originally. Um, the, the government has issued guidance for tenants and landlords. Um, yes. There's no giveaways for either parties within there. What it suggests is that landlords and tenants work pragmatically together. Now, you're the voice of the landlord on a lot of the properties that you manage. How are you guys managing that relationship? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I personally have been a tenant before um, for many years, and many of my staff still are tenants. We believe that landlord and tenant, um, landlord and tenant law and the relationship is all about balance. Um, it's about scales and the scales being weighted evenly. And I think that's what tenants and landlords both need to remember. They need each other. And without one, there isn't the other. So we've always tried to be as nice as we can with tenants and friendly and open and build a great relationship with them. Even though the landlord is our client on paper, the tenant is still our customer. So from day one of all of our tenancies, we've introduced the tenants into an agency that we think is fair and friendly. So we've worked with them. So when coronavirus hit um, out of the blue recently, um, we were able to start conversations with our tenants because we already know them and we get on with them. Um, and yes, obviously we act on behalf of the landlord, and we've had to make the tenants aware that a contract is about balance. Both sides are getting something from the contract. The tenants are paying rent and the landlord is getting that rent, but the tenants are getting a property which has to be habitable and well-maintained. And the landlord can't take that property off the tenant at any point in a fixed term. So therefore the tenant can't take the property and give it back. And I think that's what we've been trying to do. It's about education, but in a fair and kind way, uh, not closing the door on the tenant, not having the conversation, but being open and honest and educating them about contract law. And that's, that's what we've got primarily been doing the past couple of weeks. Right, okay. Um, you mentioned that you've got a varied mix from professionals to presumably normal assured short-haul tenancies, normally family homes, yeah. Um, yeah. and of course, each of those three categories are probably need to be handled slightly differently, I would imagine. I think so. I mean, what we've found is the professionals are the tenants that seem to be paying their rent on time because that is their current home and that is going to be their home for the foreseeable future. Um, the families, again, you know, they need a roof over their head. They need to continue their tenancy and they realize that they've got to keep paying their rent to protect that home. The students, we have had some students that have left and have gone to their family homes uh, and queried whether or not they can end their tenancies early. Um, and uh, we have had some students that have stayed. The majority have gone home, um, you know, which is true. A lot of, there's been a lot of news about that, about students leaving their, their student homes. And, and how, 
are you finding the, um, the the student unions have taken an approach that landlords should kind of unilaterally let students off for three months' rent? I mean, how how are you finding? First of all, landlords are, are they happy, sad? How are they taking that? And is that representative of what the students themselves actually think? I mean, I think the student unions work on behalf of the tenants and it's good for tenants to have a voice and have a body that looks after their interests. Um, so they're, they're naturally going to come at it from their perspective, which is uh, universities have closed. The students need to be able to, to go home and be let out of their contracts. I think what they're forgetting is that the students will all return in September um, and therefore they will need the landlord again and they will need a property again. And that will continue. The reason why there are landlords with student properties is supply and demand. Um, they supply the properties and the tenants supply the demand. So I think the student unions have got to be careful. Um, again, the relationship is about balance. If the tenants are allowed to leave early and not pay any more rent, what happens to the landlord? How are they going to pay their mortgage and meet their financial commitments? So we have had some letters from the student unions. We have had some letters from the tenants. And what we've advised is, unfortunately, um, where you're giving examples such as the blocks, PBSA, purpose-built student accommodation, and the universities, you've got to remember some of these blocks are owned by big trusts and funds in um, Asia and London. Um, they own not just that building, but 10 or 20 other across the country. And every single unit within that building, every single studio or flat, again, is owned by one huge company. And the universities, again, if they own the accommodation, they are you know, huge multi-million pound uh, institutions. So they're very different to the private landlord, the landlord that might have one property that he bought as an investment, has a mortgage, and has a small amount of profit that he makes each month. And if he doesn't take any rent for three months, that's gonna send him into the red. So what we've said to our students is, please remember that the private landlord is not the same as these institutions, different sort of investor. Um, and unfortunately, most of our landlords do still need to take the rent um, in order to stay being a landlord. Uh, and if they're not a landlord in the future, that's one less property for the students to rent in the future. Um, so that's what we've been advising. I, I think there's an interesting dynamic here that you're right. The, 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 the balance needs to be on both, both sides. And any of these exact students, or if not the, 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 the freshers that are going to replace the leavers, will need properties. And if a lot of student landlords have had a bad experience this year, they might be thinking, well, hold on, if there's another you know, breakout of COVID down the line, we don't want to lose another three months rent next year, so let's not take students next year. Are you seeing people think like that, or, or is everyone still expecting next year will just be a normal year and it will all be back to normal? So it's an interesting one. So the way the student market works is you let your properties for the next season in advance, pretty much at the start of the previous season's tenancies. So we move all of our students in over July, August and September. Not all of them actually get their keys, but their tenancies start then because they all run for 12 months. Whether you're paying for this summer or next summer, you're still paying 12 months. Yeah. So that's always worked fine. The students either moving in the July or in the September when their, their course starts. Then in the October, the season starts again and you start marketing for the following year. So when coronavirus um, hit a couple of months ago, we had already let most of our properties for next year. 
and we were in the process of referencing those tenants and sending out all the paperwork. So there was, I had two minds. I was firstly worried about the existing tenancies and whether those students would continue paying their rent as their contract states. And I was also worried about the next tenancies. Would the students actually continue the paperwork and referencing process? Yeah. Now, most of those students had signed contracts because that's when, when a student takes a property, you'll get them to sign the contract. Um, so they were bound to those tenancies, but we were worried that maybe their guarantors wouldn't send their, their deeds of guarantee back. They wouldn't pay their deposits. But actually what we found um, is that most people realize that coronavirus it has had an impact and will have an impact, but it will peak and it will go down. And it's trying to be managed by the government and the NHS, etc. So there is a feeling amongst us and amongst our students that are coming that hopefully by September, things will start to get back to normal. So we have actually found that um, there's been a few queries about whether or not they have to continue with their next tenancy. Um, and we, what we've said is, well, where else are you going to live? I mean, you know, hopefully university is going to open again and you're going to need that property. And you have also signed a contract. Um, so yeah, on the whole, in fact, most, um, most students are planning on returning. Pretty much all of the parents and guarantors have sent their deeds of guarantee back. Um, we have advised they don't have to send them back to us during lockdown if they don't want to because of obviously um, social distancing. But they have been. I mean, there's a, there's a big pile over there. I mean, I'm in the office. It's empty. There's no one here. I've got no internet in the house. But post is coming through every day with guarantor forms. So that's really positive and that's lifted a real weight off our shoulders because our business is continually rolling. So, you know, we might have an income this month, but we need an income next month. So we were worried about the future of our business. Um, and it seems as though the future is, is still going to be still going to be good. Excellent. Well, I think we've covered rental fairly well. Um, what's happening on the sales side to Michael? Um, I mean, you know, I can't remember now whether it was Gove or somebody else, but they said, you know, don't move unless you have to. It's critical. Um, I suppose critical in his eyes was probably some kind of medical need. Um, what 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 do you what do you what do you see on the ground? So I think what we um, so I think the government guidelines that have been introduced have to be interpreted. Uh, you have to sort of read them and think, what do they mean? They can't cover every single eventuality. So we've interpreted the government guidelines as what is an essential move. And for, for us, the, the most important, um, what we do is a bit of a stress test. So we'll look at a move, whether it's for sales or for lettings, and we'll think, does that move have to go ahead? And the first question we ask, is there a contractual obligation? Have contracts been exchanged? Has the tenancy agreement been signed? Because if so, then chances are people have made arrangements around that. There's no way of reversing that. So that's the first thing. If the contracts haven't yet been signed or they haven't been exchanged and they're progressing through with solicitors, we'll ask the question, is that person in a chain and will not moving affect that chain and will not moving affect them being able to buy the property because it may have a knock-on effect to various other links in the chain. So we have found if a sale was progressing before lockdown and there was a planned exchange or completion during lockdown, we have spoken to all parties and we have said, is there a way we can move that date? But the problem there is that lockdown wasn't guaranteed to be up after three or six weeks. Because so then you, then you could be moving it indefinitely. 
So we took a view that if a sale was agreed before lockdown and had progressed to a point where exchange was near, then we have said, if possible, I think that should go ahead because that is, when you stress test it, that, that that, that sale is so far down the line you can't keep postponing it. The mortgage uh, offer may expire. Uh, the solicitors, um, you know, they, they've done all the, a lot of their work. Um, if the sale falls through and it has to go back on the market, it could have a real effect. And it could affect, if it happened all over, it could affect the property market and have a bit of a ripple effect. If people start losing confidence and start pulling out of sales, they're going to create that destiny for themselves aren't they um self-fulfilling prophecy they're going to say people start pulling out and start cancelling the whole property market's just going to start to crumble so we've said if it's essential if it's contractual and if there's no other way around it then i think the move should go ahead obviously practicing social distancing measures doing a key handover um safely uh, etc that's what we've been all right, thanks for that, mate. That's, that's interesting where people feel already compelled to complete or, or they have to for other reasons. What about properties on the market now where perhaps they didn't even get a chance to get viewings in or, you know, they maybe had viewings but hadn't had any offers? Are, still, are people still offering on properties? Yeah, so we have for a long time now used virtual tours and video tours for properties Um because it's nice for someone to be able to see something without actually having to visit it and also decide whether or not it's worth booking a viewing. So any properties that have had virtual tours already, we have seen quite a lot of activity. One of our properties was featured in The Guardian uh, on Easter weekend. That got a lot of interest, a lot of traction. Luckily, we had a virtual tour and a video tour already for that. So we had offers coming in for that property above the asking price. Uh, We did sell a property yesterday. Uh, That was a property in Fenham. We had a virtual tour, a video tour, sorry, done just before lockdown. So that that has actually sold for full asking as well. And we have had offers on other properties that are on the market. So I think every property is different. I think the low to the middle end of the market I think there'll be still be quite a lot of activity on those properties. It'll be the high end of the market that will really be the test whether or not that's going to suffer and maybe cause a, a ripple effect down through the different levels of houses. So, but we are we are seeing activity. We've won a few valuations, virtual valuations. So we, we've done a video walkthrough with a, a vendor, and we've talked about sold prices in the area. We've tried not to be too optimistic. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in the property market sure no one can ever predict exactly what's going to happen in property you've just got to really uh, adapt to everything and be very um, aware of what's happening quite quickly so um, so when we valued anything we've been quite optimistic but we have won some of those valuations so we're, we're gearing up to get those live as soon as lockdown lifts uh, and just quickly on lettings we have had tenants take properties virtually as well and we have actually had a lot of our tenants take videos for us, some student tenants. There was one uh, property in Heaton where the students actually made a bit of a, a, a funny video. They did a, a soundtrack and it was quite amusing. And they did a, a walkthrough of their, their house and that's been great. So most of our tenants, like I touched on earlier, we have a good relationship with them from the start, we try to. They've been great. They've sent us videos of their, their properties and, and vendors as well. They've sent us videos if we didn't already have a video tour. 
to try and keep things moving because if, if the property market stops or stagnates it'll have a huge effect on the rest of the economy so we've got to keep it moving together we've got to stay confident together and work together uh, so that's what we've been up to the last few weeks and, and I presume that covers um, rental in just the same way someone three months ago knew they had three months left on a contract they probably looked four or five weeks ago to find their next property they've pro probably paid their deposit their contract starts the beginning of April they had to move out the end of March they, 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 there's not a great deal you can do about that no absolutely not I think it's easier for sales to postpone an exchange or a completion I mean we know that happens all the time yeah. nothing ever really goes to plan but with lettings you have your fixed start and finish dates and because they're agreed by both parties in advance but they're very difficult to move and, and when you do move those you're at risk of um you know you're at risk of that perhaps going wrong you know about the, obviously the, the moratorium on uh, court orders and evictions so if a contract if a tenancy is due to end next tuesday and you don't take that property back and get that possession back off that tenant and that tenant decides to stay then you will then have to let them stay another full month because it a contract works with rent periods. So if they pay their rent monthly, it goes month to month. So then you've got to wait a month. Now in a month's time, do we know if lockdown's going to lift or not? We don't. So then they could stay another month. And before you know it, you've got a tenant staying way past the tenancy end date. You might have a new tenant due to move in that might need that home and you can't take them to court to get an eviction. So what we're finding with tenancies is that if a tenancy end date is set and a tenancy start date is set, it's very important to stick to those because they're contractually agreed and it could cause more problems further down the line. Okay. Um, so we've covered sales, we've covered rentals. Um, what about things like maintenance, Michael? I mean, you know, again, the government guidance is pretty clear and you've touched on this quite, quite well, actually. Um, one thing the landlord has to do is provide a safe, suitable property. Um, I can't remember the exact wording in the guidance, but it's got to be a safe, comfortable place to live. Um, what they then go on to say is, of course, certain things aren't essential, aren't necessities. So put them off if you can, but other works have to be carried out. Um, what, what, what are you seeing here? Are you seeing plumbers and sparkies happy to go into houses or are they resisting? You know, the tenants happy to have them in the house or are they resisting? So again, um, we have found that most of our tenants uh, have been quite reasonable, um, as have our contractors and landlords. There's a degree of common sense that you've got to apply to these sorts of situations. So when we are getting a report of maintenance, we are again stress testing that and we're saying, is that essential? Does that need to be done? Nine times out of 10, it does. Um, we've had handles that don't open doors. Um, we've had boilers go off. Uh, so, you know, we've had locks that won't unlock. So most of the maintenance that tenants do report, usually I would say is essential. Um, so what we're doing is we're saying to the tenant, are you happy to have somebody come to your property? They will practice social distancing. The contractors, yes, we are finding most contractors will work. The older contractors uh, have said that they'd rather not, and I agree with them. They are at a higher risk based on what we have been told. So some of our older contractors are currently not working, but the majority of the younger contra contractors are. 
Um, and again, we're just making sure that we think that maintenance is essential. Stuff like gas safety checks, very essential. You know, the safety of a tenant uh, is really important and that home has to be safe and habitable. Is it, is it worth touching, Michael, on, um, so you're based in Newcastle, you've got a lot of properties that will be affected by the incoming licensing. Um, yeah. You start on the 6th of April, I think they've postponed it now on the 6th of July. Yeah. Feasibly, is that enough time to, to allow lockdown to finish at a date yet which we don't know, and then get all of these things done in a property? Because quite often there's quite expensive overhauls of property needed to, to match the licensing conditions, isn't there? Yes, I mean, I think it's optimistic, and I think that the council uh, earlier could have made arrangements to postpone the scheme. I understand it was written into the bylaws or it was already law at the council level, so they couldn't delay the scheme, but they could delay the enforcement of the scheme. I think that's what I've interpreted from the, the update. So that's great. Um, I think it happened a little bit late. I certainly was quite stressed about it. You've got all these tenants saying they might not pay their rent. You're worried about your future tenancies and then you're worried about the licensing. Uh, it was great news when they postponed the enforcement to the 6th of July. I do still think that's a bit optimistic, but from what I've understood, you have to get your application in by the 6th of July. In order to apply for the property, yes, you do have to have certain things, but in terms of works to the property, um, I do believe that the council will take a, a reasonable view. The government guidelines have said a council should, if they can, be reasonable and understanding based on the current pandemic. That's what the government have said. So I think as long as you get your application in by the 6th of July with the documentation that you need, yes, that will mean floor plans, electrical safety, etc. Things like strips and seals, fire doors, uh, wired smoke alarms, etc. You should have it done by the 6th of July and we will encourage all of our landlords to do that. And we will try and get that done. But if you miss that, I think the council will be understanding. I've worked with the council quite a few times. I personally have found them to be quite understanding when you communicate and when you are fair and reasonable. Again, it is about balance. The council and the landlords have to work together. Okay. And then I suppose the next thing hitting landlords as well is the electrical safety checks, which are becoming compulsory as well. Um, off the top of my head, I think it's a similar date, isn't it? With tenancies beginning on or after, I'll say June or July. Yeah. Um, or by, I think, next April for all other tenancies. So at some point, the Sparkies are going to come off their three-month uh, furloughs and be pretty busy, I would imagine. Yeah, they are going to be busy. What we've done is we've booked our Sparkies in already. We've said you're going to get a lot of work from us, so please keep some time free. Um, I mean, we've already, always encouraged our landlords to have electrical safety certificates. You've got to have it on an HMO, a licensed HMO. It's important to have it, I think, on all properties. Electrical safety is very, very important. So uh, if a landlord hasn't got that, then I presume that they're going to be have maintained their electrics. They're going to have been doing visual checks themselves. So hopefully there won't be that much work to do. Um, there's going to be a lot of work for the electricians. I think it's the 1st of July when that legislation comes in um, or the 1st of June. It's one of the two. Again, you've got to have the same approach as with the licensing. You've got to try and get it done. Um, but if you take reasonable steps to try and get it done and you can prove that, then you might be okay. There's no definites here. Um, again, we do everything by email. So there's a, there's a 
a series keep, of events. Keep your, keep your evidence. Um, oh, tenant who, um, you know, I'm I'm on I'm on the twelve week list of shielding. I, I'm not meant to step out the door. We're not meant to have people in the building. So to be fair, if I was a tenant, I would say I'd rather not. Thanks. Um, and I think as long as you evidence that it was me who controlled that and denied entry, I think you'd be okay. So I think that would be all right as a reasonable excuse why it couldn't get done. Um, but yeah, I, th I think if you don't keep that evidence, you, 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 you could struggle to prove why you didn't get things done. Michael, just, um, I normally finish these things with, and if you could give everybody out there one tip, it can be on anything, uh, you know, play the flute, learn Russian, it could be anything, or, or, or it could be business related. What, what would your tip be? Uh, that's a hard one. I would say um, that's a really hard one. Uh, stay optimistic. Um, keep believing that uh, people will do the right thing if they understand something, especially for landlords. If you educate and work with your tenants and communicate with them, you'll find it's a much easier relationship and there's fairness on both sides. Um, so yeah, stay optimistic, stay fair, stay friendly, um, and work with each party. Um, if any, uh, any landlords are struggling with their tenants, we have created a process with some documentation, um, which you can give to your tenants to establish whether or not they are struggling uh, genuinely, and some tenants are, and that's what it's there for. It's to identify the tenants that are really struggling so we can help them. And we're not saying that obviously they don't have to pay their rent, but we might be able to defer their rent, spread it out over a set period of time, or speak to the landlord and see if he's able to do a reduction. Um, so that's that's the one thing that we, we we put in place. If any landlords would like that, then they're welcome to contact. All right. Thank you very much, Michael. Um, until next time, stay safe. You stay safe as well, Martin.